0: Today is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The California church has won a huge court battle against the government. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help. Subscribe to this podcast. Give us a rating. Share it with a friend. Let's get through the news of the cray together. News of the cray is what we like to call it. Cause it's wild out there, and joining me as always, Billy Hallowell, Tragon's Phillips from CBN's Faith Wire to break it all down. What's going on, guys?
1: The news of the cray every day. That's what we do <laughs> it today.
0: is just when <laughs> I think I've seen it all, I, I haven't.
1: It's a happy Friday, Junior. Though yes, Isn't even it? with all the craziness, even with the of cray. The day.
0: Yes, God's still on the throne, so we can we can rest in that, as always. So, all right, coming up on the main thing, guys. Religious nuns are rising, but why? CBN's Brody Carter investigates. But first, we're going to head through the headlines of the day in 90 seconds. A California church that's been battling the government for nearly two years over COVID-related fines levied against them. They've won another big victory. And a state appeals court, they reversed the temporary restraining orders, the injunctions and all the other stuff, and $200,000 in contempt of court fines that had been targeted at this church. The church is Calvary Chapel San Jose. Uh, and its pastors uh, were held in contempt of court back in 2020 and 2021 for violating these pandemic restrictions that were put on. So a big win for the, for the church there. The number of migrant encounters at the southern border this fiscal year, it's now surged past 2 million. There were just under 200,000 migrant encounters in July alone. And so the numbers are soaring. These are record numbers. CBN has been documenting this ongoing crisis. And you can see more about how it's only grown since Biden took over as president in our special Biden's border. And a 12-year-old Utah Little Leaguer, their family shared a positive update after a devastating injury, Easton Oliverson who plays for Snow Canyon. He suffered a fractured skull after a freak accident falling off his top bunk. But uh, the update is that he's making tremendous progress and he's not having to be on a breathing tube anymore. So those are just some of the headlines happening today. You can check out those and more over at cbnnews.com. So guys, that was a big win for the church because remember in the early days of the pandemic, the churches were the ones that seemed to be getting targeted more than anyone else to be made an example of.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can go to Walmart, you can go wherever you wanted to go, but yeah, a church. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Then church, no, it was like, we need to make an example of them.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's great news when I, whenever I think religious liberty gets a win. Yeah. Uh, so well, and
0: you're starting to see the tide turn a little bit on these pandemic right. restrictions. Yeah. Suddenly the mood, because remember, everyone is you're, you're killing people if you went outside during this pandemic. And everyone's like, wait a minute, maybe we need to take a deep breath here, take a step back and kind of have some, you know, be able to balance our liberties along with you know being reasonable and being respectful to other people during a health crisis. And that balance wasn't there, but now you're starting to see... Where the government was too heavy-handed, those sorts of things are turning around. Even the CDC, with their new recommendations, they've kind of come back to where a lot of people were saying, "Uh, we've been saying that all along. So interesting to watch that all unfold right now. A lot of things being uh, put down the memory hole. All right. uh, The Palestinian Authority and President Mahmoud Abbas, they accused Israel of committing, quote, 50 holocausts following a meeting with Berlin Uh, in Berlin with German Chancellor uh, the German Chancellor there so uh, Trey this is uh, quite the accusation obviously ironic on its face with given where they are But what in the world is Abbas talking about here?
1: Yes, he made the remark after a meeting with the chancellor of Germany this week. And uh, the actual quote uh, came after a reporter asked him during a press conference uh, if he would apologize to Israel and Germany ahead of the 50th anniversary of the Munich Olympic Games. Massacre in 1972, uh, when the Palestinian-backed terror group Black September uh, kidnapped, infamously kidnapped, held hostage Israeli athletes, and then ultimately murdered them. Uh, but instead of apologizing, clearly ruffled by the question from the reporter, uh, Abbas went off on Israel uh, and accused the Jewish state of committing 50 massacres. He also referred to them as 50 holocausts. Uh, so German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, he didn't rebuke Abbas During the press conference, Uh, but shortly after he issued his own statement and called the inflammatory allegations made by the Palestinian president, quote, unacceptable. He said, I'm disgusted by the outrageous remarks made by Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. For us Germans in particular, any revitalization of the singularity of the Holocaust is intolerable and unacceptable. I condemn any attempt to deny the crimes of the Holocaust, and the Israeli Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, uh, he said Abbas's comments were quote, not only a moral disgrace, but a monstrous lie. Uh, He added six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust, including one and a half million Jewish children. History will never forgive him. It's also worth noting, Dan, that one German lawmaker, he argued that had Abbas simply apologized uh, for Palestinians past sin there with the, the 1972 massacre. He might have actually gained some sympathy, not just from Germans or even Israelis, but um, you know people around the world. Instead, though, the German lawmaker condemned Abbas uh, for what he called, quote, the most disgusting speech ever heard in the German chancellery.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, you think of the ridiculousness, not only the offensiveness of that claim, but then just the ridiculousness of it where six you know 50 holocausts and as you mentioned 6 million Jews died in the holocaust and then you're talking times 50 300 million people it's just so beyond the pale of rational thought for that to even be a A thing that somebody could utter out loud. It just shows you how full of hate a lot of times these radical Palestinian terrorists are.
2: Yeah, it's that level of hatred that is so disturbing. And to go back to an event that was so horrific for the Jewish people and to turn that around on them in a way that, as you were saying, Dan, is so inaccurate and so horrific. We see this happen again and again, though, to different degrees. I think this was a little more extreme Um, So it's just, it's, to me, it shows the depravity of the sin nature and all this.
0: Well, and also too, it shows, you know, look, God's chosen people, you know, chooses Israel, you know, leads them, you know, throughout out of, out of Egypt. And, you know, we know the whole story there. Um, But throughout time, Israel, for obvious reasons to Christians, has been targeted. And you see stuff like this and you see Israel trying to move forward, what has Trump did with the with the Abraham Accords, it just doesn't seem to be reciprocated in any way by a lot of these other nations, a lot of these other movements, a lot of these other groups. They just continue, want to continue to be hostile towards Israel. And you know, from the Christian perspective, you can, you can see why this is all unfolding the way it is.
2: Well, there's, yeah, there's some prophetic conversations to be had there too, which are really intriguing. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was what I was going to add. Is you we can make all these arguments, and certainly there is a history of the relationships there, which is part of the problem. Uh, but ultimately, the real issue is is much more in the spiritual realm than yeah. it is uh, in, in these you know diplomatic uh, realms.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right. Well, um, thank you for that story, and we're going to move on to the next one here, which is um, the biggest podcast on the planet, the Joe Rogan podcast had a Christian, a prominent Christian on this week from the Babylon Bee. The CEO and um, uh, really owner of the Babylon Bee, Seth Dillon, was on there. And man, he had some strong truths, Billy, on this podcast, which has been... I, I don't regularly listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, but have seen him comment on Christianity in the Bible and he wasn't positive on it. So this is not a Christian or even conservative sort of outlet. To hear the views that Seth put forward, it was, it was refreshing.
2: Yeah. You know, Seth Dillon, he was challenged a little bit by Joe Rogan, but he didn't back down. He uh, defended his position. Um, And there were a number of really interesting moments during the dialogue. Um, but But he basically Seth laid out why he believes abortion is wrong. And he did it in a very concise way. He said, you know, once life has begun, I don't think you can draw lines. And so his point was from from conception onward it's a human life uh, he said i would lay it out like this i would say it is wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human life abortion intentionally kills an innocent human life therefore abortion is wrong uh, he talked about a lot of other elements of the fact that you know this is obviously an unborn baby is a distinct human life he kept reiterating that point and at one point joe rogan even said i see your point i see what you're saying it was it was kind of interesting to watch that dialogue there were some points in the discussion uh, that were a little more maybe heated. At one point, Rogan said, "You don't have the right to tell my fourteen-year-old daughter she has to carry her rapist baby." And um, Dylan, you know, listened to him, uh, but then responded and said, "I don't think two wrongs make a right. I don't think murder fixes a rape." And so they kind of got into some really interesting elements there as well. But again, Rogan said, "I see your point," um, and it was interesting to see the pro-life community's reaction to Seth Dylan. Remember, as you were saying, the Babylon we all know as a very funny um, you know, spoof outlet you know, with really interesting takes on real things that are happening, making us laugh about them. But here you had the owner of that outlet really giving a very serious, heartfelt explanation of why he believes abortion in all forms, including you know, when there's a rape, is, is wrong. And so it was powerful to see the pro-life community's reaction to that as well. Lots of praise for him.
0: Yeah. And Seth's a smart guy. I mean, for those of you who don't know him or follow him on social media, I mean, he's a very, very smart guy and very thoughtful guy. And I've seen him kind of talk about certain issues that he's passionate about, the life issue being one of them. He's talked a lot of theology issues as well. And so he's he's more than just making some jokes, you know, about the news of the day. And so I, I was just very glad to see, because Rogan did what a lot of people, and, and maybe he did it for just a thought exercise. I don't know. But, um, the well, he does what essentially the media does all the time, which is go to this, you know, the most rare or difficult situation, a 14-year-old that's been raped and is now pregnant. Again, an extreme minority of cases, but you go to that one right there to try to defeat the abortion movement. And and a lot of people cower to that. A lot of people will back down because, you know, I, I don't know, I don't, it's a tough one to defend, but he did it well. And um, logic and reason, I believe, are on the side of the pro-life argument. You just got to stand up for it. And I think when people like Seth do that on a platform like that, it, it paves the way and shows others how to respond to pro-abortion points such as that one.
1: You know, even though the, those cases are, like you said, Dan, exceedingly rare, it still is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult conversation to have, right? So I think kudos to Seth for for handling it, not only with you know presenting his logical argument, but for being kind and for being compassionate uh, in the way that it communicated it because not i think the the, the vast majority of pro-life activists do handle it well uh, but they don't get credit for handling it well so yeah. i just want to say that here is like he did a good job not just of presenting the facts and making a logical case but for doing it in a level-headed way yes uh, and and in a way that that didn't kind of um, you know, disrespect the fact that even though it is a minority, this does happen. Uh, so, what what's the logical answer to it? And he did a good job.
0: Yeah, and you just don't get. I mean, look, Joe Rogan's podcast. For whatever reason, I'm not going to say I understand it, but for whatever reason, his podcast is the biggest podcast on the planet. I mean, you're talking tens of millions of listens a day for for this guy's podcast. So, and he has all kinds of views on there. And remember, this is a guy that was on the Man Show. This, this is. Not a Christian worldview or anything even remotely close to it. Nice to see Seth on there do that. I, you know, I was I was very glad and very happy to see that because a lot of people maybe heard an argument that they haven't that they haven't heard before.
2: Yeah, and you know, props to Joe Rogan for having him on. Not everybody not everybody's gonna have Seth on. So I thought it was great.
0: And I think that's look, I don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast regularly, but I think for someone who I probably don't agree with on a lot of things, what I do respect is he will have people on from from all kinds of walks of life and talk to them for a long time, not just put them on for five minutes, try to make them get a soundbite and leave. I mean, these podcasts go on for hours. So, I mean, I think he was two something hours with Seth. So, so that's that's fantastic. So, that's fantastic stuff. And I'm sure there's probably a lot other... And I'm going to go back and listen to that whole thing because I'm sure there's a lot uh, in there that Seth covered. And we'll We'll see, but... Um, but thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that one Billy and uh, that leads us into our main thing today and religious nuns we've talked about this on the podcast before it's rising but why well CBN's Brody Carter investigated that topic a little further and we get into that on today's main thing
3: if you- John Steingard's faith journey reflects America's changing religious landscape. Once part of a Christian band, he's joined a burgeoning group that blurs the traditional lines of religious identification.
4: I definitely don't think I literally believe in the God that most Christians would say that they believe in, but I'm not so convinced that Christian faith and practices is always a harmful thing.
3: And he's not alone. Study after study shows Christianity is not the force it once was. That data haunts me. In 2021, Pew Research found self-identified Christians making up 63% of the U.S. population, a drop from 75% just 10 years ago. The majority of this decline is happening among Protestants, dropping 10 points in the last decade, while Catholicism remains relatively unchanged. During the same period, the group called Religious Nuns has steadily grown.
2: When we ask people about their religious identification, are you Protestant, Catholic, Mormon, Orthodox Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, something else or nothing in particular, the Religious Nuns are those
3: people who answer that question by describing themselves as atheist or agnostic or as simply nothing in particular. In studying the secular shift, researcher Gregory Smith says he sees no sign of this trend slowing down. Religious nuns currently account for about 3 in 10 U.S. adults. That's, you know, triple,
2: perhaps even getting close to quadruple the share who said that about three decades ago.
3: Other indicators that Americans are growing less religious include prayer. Fewer than half of adults do so daily. 30% say they pray seldomly or not at all. Still, 4 in 10 say they consider religion to be very important in their lives.
5: So many of these people we had, they grew up in our children's ministries. They grew up in our youth groups. Somehow we missed them, man. We were unable to get them ready to, to live in the world that their life is playing
3: out in now. Renowned pastor, author, and church planter Matt Chandler says the church must see and accept this harsh reality before it can move forward. You've
5: got the kingdom of God and, and you've got the kingdom of darkness. And and really, I, I think what you're seeing is there, there was, I think, a collapse of robust
3: discipleship uh, for an extended period of time. To better understand the reasons why someone would leave their faith. I talked with Steingard, former lead singer for Hawk Nelson, a Canadian Christian rock band.
4: Anybody that leaves any religious community, they have to figure out how to sort of hold themselves together and also how to make their way in the world. And that's actually not so easy.
3: Steingard, whose father and father-in-law are both pastors, announced his decision on Instagram at the height of the pandemic. His announcement sent shockwaves through the Christian community.
4: People like myself, who decide to leave a faith tradition, tend to be very focused on the negative aspects of that tradition when we leave, right? You know, like, we, we tend to want to point out all the things that we think are, are harmful or, or unfair or, you know, unjust.
3: Steingard believes three major reasons people are currently leaving the church include differing beliefs on gay rights failed support for social justice issues, and political platforms using faith to advance certain polarizing agendas. The church has to own that we really dropped the ball on discipling men
5: and women for the world that they live in. Even the million or so kids that have left our church present a stunning opportunity for uh, innovation
3: around evangelism, around reaching our neighbor. Chandler sees the rise of religious nuns as an opportunity to sow seeds of hope through his church planting ministry. To encourage support, he plans to fund each new church planter who partners with the Acts 29 network up to $50,000. Today, the network supports over 700 churches in 50 countries. I don't know what who's watching this, what their
5: heartbeat would be, but where you have a healthy local church made up of people who love Jesus Christ and and know his word, darkness gets pushed back in a thousand different directions. It's not one big church that actually um, threatens the gates of hell. It's a thousand little lights in the darkness that kind of make up the brightness and the heat of the gospel. And so I want to be about pouring into that and giving my influence towards that, giving my time and energy and money towards that.
3: Chandler and others remain undaunted by America's religious realignment. They still see fertile ground for outreach to nuns and others, and for growth among professing believers through genuine Christian discipleship. Brody Carter, CBN News. All right,
0: Brody, thank you so much for breaking that one down. Guys, that leaves us with time for one last thought here. We wanted to dive in a little bit because we've had a few stories over on the site of people in need of a miracle, praying for a miracle and trusting God in the process. So walking that line, guys, how do we do both of those?
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we got to walk by faith and not by sight. And it's tough because you want that miracle, you're believing and you're hoping for it. And I think that's scriptural to believe it, to know that God can do it, whether he will or not, whether it's in his plan or not, is a separate piece. But walking by that faith, that's a real exercise in faith, right? Yeah. Being able to do that, not knowing the end result.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think often the temptation is to start worshiping or idolizing the miracle over the miracle worker, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a temptation that comes to all of us at, at different times in our life. And I think the the solution to that is to realize that the God's goodness is separate and apart from anything that he may or may not do on this side of eternity. God is good separate from all of these things that might happen, even if they're good things uh, that we think should happen. Uh, His greatness and and his ultimate truth and all that is not tied or tethered to that at all. So I think it's keeping that perspective in mind.
0: Yeah. And keeping eternity in mind, too, because if we cling like too closely to this world. We're going to be wanting too much the of things of this world. Of course, we can want people to survive and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, um, but God's plan ultimately is what we should be wanting. And you know, I think of Genesis 50 as well when we have this conversation where, you know, as as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You know, Joseph, his brothers selling him into slavery, etc. Um you know there's God working out a horrible situation and but ultimately it's for for the greater good. And so we have to keep that in mind when we're praying for yeah pray for your miracle pray for your health pray for a miraculous healing but ultimately it's how are we glorifying God in that process and whatever the result is it might not be the one that we want but trust that it is the result that God intended and knew it was going to happen and uh, ultimately will use to accomplish his good and perfect will. So, all right, guys, we'll leave it there on this Friday, Junior. That is all the time we have for today's episode of the podcast. And um, as always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. If you haven't followed the pod yet, do it, give a rating, leave a comment, all that fun stuff. We'd love to hear from you. So, all right, Lord willing in that creek don't rise. We will be back here for more news from a Christian perspective here on the Quick Start Podcast. God bless. See you tomorrow.